This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode number 70. That's in the Bible. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. And welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. Glad you could join us for another episode of That's in the Bible. And number 70 is in fact titled That's in the Bible. So a lot of Bible going on here today, and we're glad you could glad you could join with us. That was Pastor Steve, I think I just heard him. Steve, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, doing well. Thank you. So it's a little uh, echoey in here with That's in the Bible at That's in the Bible. <laughs> and what that's, did you say? What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> and there's Pastor Strobel. Pastor Strobel, how are you today? Doing well, thank you. Good to have you with us. Matt is not here. Matthew's not here. Matt is up in the Arctic, as you know, a missionary to the uh, to the in the Arctic, and um, he uh, is actually working on a castle right now. And I know that's what the story he said. That that is the story he gave us, and it's a. It's a castle he's building out of plywood, not because they're planning to live in it, but it's part of their uh, their youth program there called King's Kids that they're putting together. But we do have someone else joining us today, and uh, that would be Nick, or Nicholas, what do you go by, Nick? Uh, Nick is fine. Nick is fine. Nick is That's fine. a long name, Nick is fine. I I just... know. <laughs> but you gotta say it fast. It's like, Nick is fine. <laughs> Nick is fine. Can I just use Nick? Yeah, that's good. Okay, good. Nick Varner, uh, you know, your dad was with us a few episodes ago. He's pastor here at the church I attend here in uh, Bible Baptist I attend Baptist that church Fellowship. as well. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure he's glad you do as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. So how are you doing today, Nick? I'm doing pretty well. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I am 16, and uh, my dad pastors Bible Baptist Fellowship in Alpine, New York, uh, I do school in the time that I work, and in the time that I'm not working, I like studying languages and goofing off. <laughs> I, I especially like the goofing off part. I can understand that at 16. But what kind of languages are you studying? Uh, I've been studying Japanese for two years, and I started studying Mandarin in an organized fashion this year. Wow. Wow. When I was 16, I was doing nothing of the sort. <laughs> Unfortunately. The goofing off part. I goofing goof- off is right. <laughs> I had the goofing off part down. In fact, I still do. So, yeah. Well, that's pretty neat. How did you get interested in that? Um, uh, It was kind of... I was... I remember I saw an article and it said that China needed... Uh, teachers, or it was something about there being a lack of, I can't remember if it was English teachers or just teachers in general in China, and I thought that, you know, English teaching or some kind of teaching would be an interesting thing to do, so I started working on Chinese, but I could kind of make head nor, I couldn't make head nor tail of Chinese, Mm -hmm. and I was, like, watching some Japanese TV shows with subtitles, and I noticed I was picking up some words from that, like, hello or thank you. And so I thought, well, 
Japan's pretty close to China. I might as well just try to do that. And I met with more success from Japanese, so I started studying that more intensely. Looks like the boy genius is trying to show me up. (laughs) (laughs) He already has, Eric. Yes, he already has. Well, that's pretty neat. Is there anything you can say in any one of those languages? And that means, so that's in the Bible. Really? (laughs) Yes. Or just that is in the Bible and then that question kind of. That's very cool. Wow, you really you really do know how to speak that. Well, Nick, I'm going to I'm going to speak in tongues here and I want you to interpret for me. All right. Domenicato. Domo arigato. Uh thank yeah. you very much. There you go. Hmm. Wow. All right, All right Pastor folks, Strobel, you just you... heard it. <laughs> Speaking in tongues live from New York. Pastor Strobel, your turn. Uh, sayonara. <laughs> sayonara. <laughs> Goodbye. There we go. Huh. That's really good. So, how have you guys been? Anything new and exciting happening there in the Western New York State uh, city? Well, first, I, sh- I would like to just clarify my comment about uh, th- that being the story why uh, Matt is not here. Mm-hmm. Uh, purportedly building a castle. We really think it has something to do with the fact that he was supposed to be doing a special on our next broadcast. That's right. And so he is ducking out. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt, you heard it here. They're, they're not going to let you get away with this now. You are going to have to do a special. Yes. Gonna, I'm anxiously waiting that one. Steve, especially. Gonna, it's going to have to be done. As far as what's going on in Western New York, um, we had a good weekend at church, uh, church services yesterday. Um, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Uh, had a good time myself. I hope the people that got to listen to the teaching and preaching had a good time. But uh, I think they did. Yeah, we yeah. also had a good time on the streets on uh, Saturday afternoon um, preaching. It was kind of raining when we started, and we just prayed the Lord would help us to be able to get some preaching in. And it really subsided, and we're able to spend the entire time out there that we normally would um, getting out the Word of God. How just, often do you guys uh, go out street preaching? Uh, we do it just on a weekly basis during the uh, good weather months. Okay. So uh, usually Saturdays we get out at um, about one thirty mm-hmm. in the afternoon Man. and uh, hold up scripture signs and um, preach out there in the public. Amen. And it's Amen. it's Amen. I would like to say if if you've never tried that, it's quite a it looks quite differently. F- when you're doing it than it does when you're driving by. Um, if you're a Christian, we have uh, guys from our church who, uh, him and his wife, before they came to our church, they'd see us out there and just, oh, those guys, you know, and they were, they were Christians, you know. <laughs> and then they, um, they visited our church one day. And when they came in and saw me, the wife says to the husband, or the husband says the wife wanted to, but said, it's the street preachers. <laughs> 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 But they stuck it out. They're just one of the one of the good couples at our church now, and and uh, have been out with us actually many times out there in the streets themselves. And it's just amazing amen. what the Lord can do. Amen, amen. Amen. That's awesome. Amen. Pastor Steve, how about you? Well, nothing really out of the ordinary. I mean, obviously, with work and and under a year now until retirement, as far as work is concerned. So we're counting down the days there. And uh, looking forward to, you know, getting 
I should say more involved. I mean, I'm, I'm involved uh, as far as the ministry is concerned, but being able to dedicate more time to it, I think, is something I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, just you wouldn't think that, well, how can I say it? With, with the number of irons that I have in the fire, you would think that I that I, uh, um, you know, all I ever do is, is either work or, or do something in the ministry. So, uh, but you know, it's, it's kind of spaced out, uh, tomorrow we're going to be going down to one of the missions, uh, that are here, uh, brother Pete Wigdor and, uh, uh, charity Baptist church in Buffalo, New York. Uh, we've been preaching, uh, I've been preaching down there along with my sons for a number of years and help out on their, their mission night. And uh, we preach at City Mission. Uh, again, Pastor Strobel and I go to, to Attica, uh, you know, and, and uh, have Bible studies that we do. We just had a, a Bible study, a biweekly Bible study, if you will, for some folks in our church that are interested in some more than what they get at church. And um, been a great soul-winning tool for us. Uh, you know, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but, but uh, a number of the folks that have gotten saved— at that Bible study are 60 and over, and I'm talking probably mm-hmm. uh, you know, probably within a couple of years, uh, we've seen five or six, maybe seven uh, seniors get saved, and uh, that's just, you know, if you know anything about uh, personal work and so forth, trying to get somebody uh, to trust the Lord Jesus Christ in their senior years is, is quite difficult because they're pretty well-established in their belief and uh, can't have anybody tell them, you know, differently. And so we've, uh, we've seen some, some progress there and, and uh, thankful for the opportunity to be able to do that. Uh, just looking forward to, to uh, uh, going and seeing Brother Gip uh, next weekend Amen. at uh, Gospel Light Baptist Church on Saturday. And uh, I've got another meeting that uh, the boys and I have been asked to sing uh, at and in uh, here in Chictawaga, uh, so uh, just you know keeping busy and uh, uh, love uh, ministering for the Lord and and uh, being able to sing and and uh, things along that line. So praise Amen. the Lord for that. Amen. Amen. What have we been doing, Nick? What have we been doing? <laughs> I've just been trying to stay consistent and faithful going to church and studying, studying, reading Amen. the Bible, and very good. Doing those things. I have been doing that too. Yes, you have. So uh, before we get started, I'm just going to, uh, we're just going to do this just for a second. Can you prove that God exists? Does the Bible offer any real evidence for the existence of God? What about science? Would it be unscientific to believe in God? Examine with us these questions and many others in episode 42. Is there any proof of God? Only on thatsinthebible.com All right. We're playing our own commercials here, folks. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now I want to go listen to episode 42. <laughs> well, I want to listen to episode number 70. That's in the Amen. Bible. Amen. That's in the Bible. And Pastor Strobel hasn't told us any more other than that's in the Bible. So we're all kind of anxiously waiting to hear what he's going to have to say. And 
Pastor Strobel, are you are you ready to begin? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Amen. Let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Father, I do thank you, Lord, that uh, you opened up the doors for us to be able to bring this podcast. I thank you for each and every person that uh, tunes in and has tuned in and, and will tune in. I ask you to bless them as they listen, as the word of God is ministered to them. Lord, may they grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And may you equip them, Lord, to be servants of you. Bless our study today. And uh, I pray you'd use it for your honor and glory and our edification in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I'm going to bring you a study that's a bit different than uh, our normal studies on this podcast. And while we're always talking about things that are in the Bible today, we're going to focus on particular things in the Bible that a lot of folks would be surprised to find in the Bible. Um, some of these, I think even a lot of uh, Christians would be surprised to find in the Bible. Uh, most of these things are things that people have heard. Um, people out in the world have heard a, a lot of these things uh, as well. But uh, they don't know that these things had their origins in the Bible. And after I got saved and I started to read and study the scriptures, I was amazed at the things that I found in there. And uh, when it comes to these things, I'm going to be talking to you about a lot of them. Uh, first, I find these things to be very interesting myself. But then also I find that once you know these things, you can use them to open up spiritual conversations with people. Uh, for example, if somebody uses a common expression or makes a statement, uh, if they quote a song or a movie, et cetera, and you know that that quote is in the Bible, then you can point it out to them and begin to sow the seed of the word of God. Uh, even if you do nothing else but point out the fact that that's in the Bible, uh, that can get them thinking. And, and don't underestimate the power of the Word of God. Uh, however it's turned loose, however it's quoted, uh, the Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, in Romans ten seventeen. And the Bible is so powerful that uh, wherever it gets turned loose and, and let go, uh, it can reach people and do a work in their heart and mind and conscience and begin to enlighten them. <clears throat> now, the Lord... Uh, has given us his word, and he's given the world his word to communicate to man. And he wants, through his word, he, he, he wants to communicate to man his thoughts. Uh, he uses the Bible to reveal to man his nature. <clears throat> and this book, the Bible, uh, really is unlike uh, any other. It is uh, given by inspiration of God. It's his inspired word. It's what God wants to say to us. And Psalm 147 and verse 15 says of the Lord and his word, he sendeth forth his commandment upon earth, his word runneth very swiftly. And God turned his word loose in this world. And when he did, it took off running. I mean, uh, it went everywhere and it got into everything. You know, those frogs in the book of Exodus that got into all the Egyptian stuff and just got everywhere. Look, they had nothing on the word of God. Uh, the word of God is everywhere. Uh, it's even found its way into our popular culture. It's found its way into book titles and movie titles. It's been incorporated into popular music over and over through the years. It's uh, also made its way into our everyday language. Uh, this world regularly talks about uh, David versus Goliath matchups or David and Goliath matchups in sports. And, uh, you know, when you have one team that's very weak and the other team is overpowering and favorite and to David and Goliath matchup. And of course, we know that comes from the scriptures in first Samuel chapter 17, where David, the unlikely uh, underdog, uh, won the battle and the victory against Goliath. Um, additionally, the Bible has made its way into our everyday language by means of popular and familiar sayings and quotations 
that are used by both Bible believers and non-Bible believers alike, by Christians and, and heathen, by Christians and people of other religions. They, they still will use these phrases that uh, come from the scriptures. Now, these quotations, because they, they aren't always aware of it, sometimes they're just unknowingly spoken, and, and others are aware of it, and they know uh, what they're speaking of and that these things come from the scriptures. But whether knowingly or unknowingly, the Bible gets quoted. The Bible runs swiftly, and it has swiftly made its way into our language. And people, they quote it all the time, again, often without even knowing that they're doing so. And so where we're going to start today is by looking at some familiar sayings that have their roots or origins in the Bible, and then we'll branch out a bit from there. Uh, Some of these quotations will be exact quotations, the sayings that people use. They'll be exact quotations from the scriptures. Others, which are not exact quotations, I think will still be obvious to see that the biblical quotation that I'm going to tell you is the source for the saying. And, um, you know, when I, when you go through these, if, if some people were to argue that a given saying that I mentioned was around before it was put in the Bible, uh, it is still the Bible that further popularized it and preserved it in our culture. <laughs> now, the reason these sayings I, I believe are still in our language today is because of the influence the Bible once had on the bulk of our society here in the United States of America. I mean, there was a day when the masses of people in our country were much more biblically literate than they are today. A large percentage of them went to church, a a larger percentage than goes today. Um, And the Bible there was preached and taught. Even the more liberal churches of the past back then had a greater Bible emphasis. Um, The Bible itself was used in public education back in the day uh, of um, early days of our country. And they used it in public schools. I mean, they, they had to legislate it out of the public schools. But they used to teach it and use it uh, for teaching in the public schools. So because of its prevalence, it became a natural thing for people to incorporate the Bible's phraseology into their everyday language. And it took root into our language, in our country, and it has not let go. The Bible has indeed run very swiftly into this world and the United States of America and it's woven itself into the warp and the woof of the fabric of our English language, and it is quoted regularly without being referenced that uh, people are quoting it, or a lot of times even realize that they're quoting it. Now, the first place where I noticed this after I got saved and got into the Bible was uh, when I came across Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse number 20. And there I read this. It says, Curse not the king, no not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Now, this was not a, a direct quotation of a familiar saying, but uh, I recognized it as the origin of a saying that I had heard since I was a kid. Um, I remembered when I was a kid finding out, um, uh, my mom finding out about something that I did, and And I was kind of surprised, and I asked her how she knew, and she said, a little bird told me. And that phrase I'd heard, again, several times as a kid, and and seeing this in Ecclesiastes 10.20, I realized, well, that's where that comes from. A bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. A little bird or a little birdie told me. Um, I would like to add that, uh, man, I did want to get a hold of that bird for telling on me uh, a few times. But... um, uh, Many, many years later, 
it was after I heard that from uh, my mom and, and other people, uh, that's when I noticed the expression uh, in the Bible. I also noticed, you know, when I talked about that, I want to get hold of that bird for telling on me, uh, I also noticed that the expression telling on me uh, or telling on someone had its roots in the Bible. And many a child has said to another child, uh, I'm telling on you or I'm going to tell on you. And this term actually comes from the scriptures as well. It comes from David's time when he joined up with the Philistines while fleeing from Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 27 and verses 9 through 11. I'm going to read you that. It says, And David smote the land and left neither man nor woman alive and took away the sheep and the oxen and the asses and the camels and the apparel and returned and came to Achish. And Achish said, Whither have you made a road today? And David said, Against the south of Judah and against the south of the Jeremiahites and against the south of the Kenites. And David say, saved neither man nor woman alive to bring tidings to Gath, saying, lest they should tell on us, saying, so did David, and so will be his manner all the while he dwelleth in the country of the Philistines. Of course, here David goes to extreme measures to keep somebody from telling on him. But that's where we get the idea. I'm going to tell on you, or we're going to tell on somebody for doing something wrong. And there it was in the scriptures. There's another um, one that I noticed. This would have been the second one I noticed after I noticed the Ecclesiastes 10.20 one. Uh, the second one I recall noticing um, was from Job. And in Job 19.20, Job says, My bone cleaveth to my skin and to my flesh, and I am escaped with the skin of my teeth. And, of course, you, it's very likely yourself have used the expression saying, I, I just made it by the skin of my teeth. And uh, if you have, did you know you were quoting the Bible or giving something that had its um, origin in the Bible when, when you said it? Now, Job talks about the skin of my teeth, and he escaped with the skin of my teeth. We say, I just made it by the skin of my teeth. But it's, uh, it's in the Bible, the skin of my teeth, and, and uh, that's where it comes from. And when you hear somebody else say it, you might then point out to them that, hey, that's in the Bible, and see where the conversation might go. Uh, I had, I had heard the term safe and sound many times in life before I saw that it was actually an exact quotation from the Bible in the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, verse 27, it says, and he said unto him, thy brother has come and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound, safe and sound. Oh, likely you've used it. Certainly you've heard it before, but that's the news that all parents want to hear about their children. They want to hear that they're safe and sound. If they've um, gone somewhere and they're traveling uh, back home, um, they want to hear they made it home safe and sound. Or if they're traveling somewhere and when they arrive, they want to hear that they arrived at their destination, uh, even if it wasn't home, safe and sound. All right, here's another saying that has its roots in the Bible, but it is not an exact quotation, and that's the saying, jump for joy. And uh, when we get excited, you know, we want to jump for joy, or somebody gets excited and you say, hey, they jumped for joy. Or you might say, I jumped for joy. But that comes from Luke chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. And there, uh, Jesus says, blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. 
So it's obvious to see from there that the phrase leap for joy has kind of um, melded into uh, jump for joy uh, in our day and age. But uh, that's where you get the thought and the idea comes from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ who told us to leap for joy uh, when we're persecuted uh, because basically we're in good company. They did that to uh, the prophets uh, as well. And uh, it's actually a privilege to face persecution or be reproached or have your name cast out as evil for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was also amazed to find out that the term right-hand man had its roots in the Bible. And the term right-hand man has its roots in the book of Psalms in Psalm 80 and verse number 17. Here's what it says. Let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, upon the son of man whom thou madest strong for thyself. So the psalmist is making reference to the Lord's hand, saying, let thy hand, the hand of the Lord, the hand of God, be upon the man of thy right hand. So let God let your hand be upon your right-hand man, the man of your right hand. And he elaborates further, saying, upon the son of man whom thou madest strong for thyself. Now, we talk about somebody being our right-hand man, or somebody talks about somebody being their right-hand man. Your right-hand man is your go-to guy. Um, he's the guy that you can count on in a pinch. You can, uh, you can be sure he's, he's going to do the job. He's going to get it done right. If you need uh, help in a pinch, you're going to call on him. He, he's your right-hand man. He's, he's your go-to guy. Now, should it be any real surprise to us that this term in Psalm 80 and verse number 17 is actually a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ? The Lord Jesus Christ is God's right-hand man. Hear the verse again. Let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, upon the son of man, whom thou madest strong for thyself. You know, when Jesus walked this earth in human flesh, he repeatedly referred to himself as the son of man. And you'll see that um, many times, I believe over 80 times in the New Testament. And here in Psalm 80, verse 17, uh, as, he, as the, the psalmist elaborates by the inspiration of God upon the man of God's right hand, he elaborates on him to be the son of man, whom thou madest strong for thyself. The Lord Jesus Christ indeed is God's right-hand man. After Jesus ascended into heaven, you'll recall that the Bible said that he sat on the right hand of God. Uh, eight times in the Bible, uh, the Bible uses the term, the right hand of God, and they're all in the New Testament, but every one of them directly refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. For again, I repeat, uh, Jesus is God's right-hand man, and really, uh, who else could it be to be God's right-hand man? All right, here's another verse from which was extrapolated, a common saying in the English language, I believe, uh, and I'm just going to read you the portion that pertains to the saying. Uh, this verse is from the book of Haggai. Uh, Haggai is in the Minor Prophets, um, probably the most obscure uh, portion of Scripture, a section of Scripture for many, uh, as it um, comes at the end of the Old Testament, and uh, it seems to be the, the last of the pages that's that continue to stick together when a person gets a new Bible, but you ought to become familiar with it. And there's a lot of good things in there, but in the book of Haggai, uh, chapter one and verse six, it says this, and he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. When I came across that and, and noticed it, and by the way, sometimes I, I come across a verse long before I really notice it. You understand what I mean? But when I came across that verse and noticed it, I, it reminded me of the saying, that money burns a hole in his pocket. 
he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. And, and the phrase money burns a hole in his pocket is a saying that's used of somebody who spends money as fast as he can get it. It's a hard time holding on to it because as soon as he gets in his pocket, he wants to spend it. So it burns a hole in his pocket. And interestingly enough, if you ever take a pair of pants and you just turn them inside out, you'll notice that many of them, if not most of <clears throat> the pairs of pants, <clears throat> the pockets are little bags that are sewn into the inside of the pants. And so like literally when you put that thing in your pocket, you're putting it into a, a little bag that's sewn onto the inside of your pants. And, um, if you have trouble hanging on to it, you could say that you're putting it into a bag with holes, or as we say, money burns a hole, uh, in his pocket. All right. And I'm going to give you, um, uh, fairly, uh, quickly here, some exact quotations and tell you where you can find them. Uh, these are exact quotations from the scriptures, but again, quotations that we will use in just our, the course of our, our language, our speaking, you'll hear people use it. And, um, just, just in reference to something else that they're talking about, uh, folks will say in the meantime, now in the meantime, this happened or in the meantime, I'll be doing this. But in the meantime comes from Luke chapter 12 and verse number one, uh, probably you've said or thought this about somebody or God forbid, somebody said or thought this about you, um, uh, that they were quote, good for nothing. Of course, nobody wants to be good for nothing. But good for nothing is a quote that comes from Matthew chapter five, verse 13, talking about a Christian who's as a salt or someone who's a salt that as salt that has lost its savor, which is henceforth good for nothing. But it also shows up in the old Testament in Jeremiah chapter 13, verse number 10, where the Lord's given a lesson, um, an object lesson through Jeremiah, having him go through the process of taking this girdle and hiding it and then bringing it back out and finding it wrecked and that it is good for nothing. Uh, here's one. Um, and, and this, if you haven't said it, you might have done it. Um, how about, uh, the phrase about somebody who fell flat on his face and those words fell flat on his face are a direct quote from numbers chapter 22 and verse 31. Uh, here's one that, uh, was used popularly many years ago, may, may still be used from uh, time to time, but, uh, nowadays. Nowadays, just like that. Nowadays we say, or nowadays we do, or nowadays people are. But nowadays exactly is quoted in 1 Samuel 25, verse 10. Now, N-O-W, uh, uh, the word uh, a by itself, and then days, D-A-Y-S, nowadays, 1 Samuel 25, verse 10. And then uh, the next one I'll talk about, um, you have probably felt this way and maybe even uh, proclaimed this is how you felt. Uh, how about uh, half dead? Oh man, I'm half dead today. Uh, half dead comes from the story of the good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 30. So it's just amazing. As I say, what you really find in the scriptures, once you begin to read it and pay attention to what you're reading, <clears throat> here's one that is close to an exact quotation, but not quite. And that's the phrase, uh, peace and quiet, uh, peace and quiet. It had its origins in first Chronicles chapter 22 and verse number nine where it's uh, quoted as, as this. I'll give you the entire verse. It says, Behold, a son shall be born to thee. Uh, this is talking to David. <laughs> Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest. And I'll give him rest from all his enemies round about, for his name shall be Solomon. And I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. 
So there, as, as I said, you can see that it's not an exact quotation, but you can see where it comes from, this quotation, peace and quiet. Peace and quiet, some, something that we long for when we've uh, been caught up in the rat race or you know, busy beyond uh, measure and just need a little rest. We want some peace and quiet. And uh, peace and quietness was the original quotation from the scripture, something that God was going to give to Israel in the days of Solomon, and he did. Uh, here's an interesting uh, one that shows up in the scriptures. Um, I don't know if you are aware of it or not, but the term sea monsters is in the Bible and comes from the Bible. Now, it's not referring to the Loch Ness monster, but it, it does show up in Lamentations chapter 4 and verse number 3. And uh, there, uh, it, it is a reference to whales. Uh, whales are mammals that nurse their young. And here's what the verse says. It says in Lamentations 4, 3, I'll give you again the part that references the, the sea monsters, but it says, even the sea monsters draw out the breast. They give suck to their young ones. And that's what those big gargantuous whales do. Giant creatures that God has made in the seas uh, as they suckle their young. So uh, again, interesting what you find in the scriptures. You know, if you have ever been uh, lovesick, uh, if you've ever been lovesick, then you had it bad like the bride in the Song of Solomon who said twice in that book, I am sick of love. Now, when that was said, as you read in the context, he's not saying I'm sick and tired of it. And some people get that way too. But the idea is, is I'm, I'm lovesick. I'm just this thing, I'm head over heels. This thing is just, it's eating me up. I just, I'm sick of love. And in Song of Solomon chapter two, verse five and five, verse eight, you'll find uh, that quotation. So again, from there, we have just brought it out and we say somebody is lovesick. Now, uh, there are uh, some quotes that come from the Bible, but when the world uses them, they actually stop short of the whole quotation and thereby they miss the true gist of what God was trying to communicate. Kind of troubles me when that happens. And, um, and yet still you can, you can use this to maybe enlighten somebody to the entire saying, but, but the world has taken this, um, uh, idea from the scriptures and this this idea of fighting the good fight. And they'll say somebody, yeah, he fought the good fight, or they're fighting the good fight, and, and they can use it to apply to somebody that's working for or fighting for a cause that they deem worthy. Uh, sometimes they'll they'll refer it maybe to somebody that's even fighting a disease or somebody that's um, doing charitable work or uh, doing something that's that, that somebody deems worthwhile and say they fought the good fight or they're fighting the good fight. The original quotation, however, is from Ephesians 6, verse 12, and it is an exhortation for us to fight the good fight of faith. So while you may fight the good fight in the world's sight, if you're not fighting the good fight of faith, um, it's, it's not really something that you're doing that is of eternal value. Because you, you can fight good fights like they're talking about even, but, but it needs to be done from a spiritual standpoint, leaning on the Lord, and, um, and doing it for his cause, fighting the good fight of faith. That's what it's about. And then from there in Ephesians chapter 6, the Lord will go on to proceed to give us the whole armor of God, that spiritual armor that a Christian is to equip himself with. Here's another one they, they love to start but not finish. Uh, they'll say, uh, man shall not live by bread alone. <clears throat> People quote it all the time, and um, I seem to recall it being used even in at least one commercial. Advertising something, man shall not live by bread alone. But of course, they they love to say that, but they don't love to finish the quote. 
not as it's written in Matthew chapter four, verse four, which says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So you may want to use it to bring somebody to that thing that you want them to do. They need, you need something else beside bread here, get what I got. But what we really need is not just bread, but we need every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so it's good to know the fullness of the quotation and we can bring that to light for people if we hear a partial quotation. <clears throat> now, that's a good sampling of familiar sayings that you can find in the Bible. And if you'll pay attention to the Bible as you read and study it, uh, no doubt you can find a bunch more on your own. Um, even like the one I just used, because I just said no doubt, which actually shows up five times in the Bible itself. <clears throat> Job chapter 12, verse 2, and Acts chapter 28, verse 4 are a couple of those times when no doubt shows up in the scriptures. Now, years ago, <clears throat> excuse me, years ago after I uh, started noticing these things, I, I began to list these sayings in the back of my Bible until I had over 300 of them. So I just encourage you to, to pay attention as you read and, and note these things. And um, as I say, they'll be interesting to you, but you can also use them as a help to reach others. Now, in addition to showing up in our language as familiar sayings, the Bible also makes appearances in many other places as well. I'm sure many of you already know, but uh, then again, some of you may not that the Liberty Bell has an inscription on it, which comes from Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 10. And from that verse, these words are inscribed on the Liberty Bell, uh, which is still displayed in uh, Philadelphia. And the verse reference is also put on there, although it uses Roman numerals, and, uh, but it's the reference of Leviticus 25 verse 10. And this, this inscription is on there, which says, proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. Uh, you know, the Bible has also worked its way into popular songs, as I mentioned earlier, uh, through the years. A couple examples. In 1965, a group called The Birds had a hit on their hands with Turn, Turn, Turn. The song is said to have been written by Pete Seeger in the late 1950s. And maybe he did write the music and, and maybe he did add and alter a few words. But the preponderance of the words of that song were written by God. Because the bulk of that song is the quotation of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses one through eight. And it's just scripture, scripture, scripture. And again, whether people know that or understand it, getting it into their head and their mind, which I did as a kid, uh, again, it can, it's just something about the word of God. <clears throat> Maybe you don't even connect the dots to the fact that it, it worked on you, but, but you get the Bible in you and it works on you. <clears throat> Back in the day before I got saved, not too long before I got saved, um, I was listening to uh, a song one night. I'd come home and in a less than sober condition, and I was uh, laying in my bed listening to a song on the headphones that um, uh, I had, I believe, on an eight-track tape. Anybody remembers them? <clears throat> but it was a song by the Guess Who called Hang On To Your Life. When it got to the end of that song, it quoted Psalm 22, verses 13 through 15. And I had... No idea that it was a quotation from the Bible, <clears throat> excuse me, but the, the words were, I mean, they're powerful and, uh, and, and it's a prophecy. Psalm 22, uh, is there of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, in that passage that it quoted in the beginning in verse number 13, I'm just going to read you what it said. And, and, uh, the words did have an impact on me. And that's where it's, again, from the standpoint of the Lord Jesus, it says, they gaped upon me with their mouths as a raving and a roaring lion. I am poured out like whack. I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. 
My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. I think they had like some music coming in the background or some synthesizer or something, but well, that was enough to freak me out uh, in my condition. It really wasn't long after that um, uh, when uh, I got saved. And, and again, that was just, even unbeknownst to me, seed of the word of God planted in my heart and my soul and uh, helping me to be awakened to, in that case, my own mortality. But uh, the Lord can, can do even things beyond the person's conscience. And, uh, and uh, I know the scriptures have that power. <laughs> now we're, we're, we're winding on down here, but I do want to point out uh, some uh, book and movie titles that have had the Bible as their uh, origin. Um, the title of John Steinbeck's novel, East of Eden, is a direct quotation from Genesis chapter 4, verse 16, where those words, just as uh, he titled the novel, uh, are found. Uh, another movie, Inherit the Wind. Uh, it's a fictionalized account of the famous Scopes Monkey Trial, and the phrase Inherit the Wind is a direct quotation from Proverbs 11 and verse number uh, 29. And I believe that's where it says that uh, he that troubleth his own house shall inherit uh, the wind. In Proverbs chapter 11. I'm going to just double check that for you right quick. As I had the reference, but um, I did not, uh, did not give the quotation. But uh, suddenly I feel like it would be important to do that. So here's Proverbs 11 verse 29. Uh, he that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind. And the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. So, uh, again, these things, um, people hear these names, but they don't know uh, that that's where they come from in, in a lot of cases. Um, Harper Lee, a famous author, her most famous novel being To Kill a Mockingbird. But in 2015, um, shortly before she died, just months before she died, uh, she published another book called Ghost Set a Watchman. Uh, this book rocketed to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. But how many people know that the title is actually a Bible quotation from Isaiah 21, verse 6, where the Lord says, go set a watchman. But uh, it is. And uh, there it goes. There goes the scriptures. On and on it goes, running swiftly and inserting itself into our world. So uh, that try though they might, this world cannot escape the word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse number 9, the apostle Paul said, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Paul said in this verse that he himself had been bound. I suffer, tr suffer trouble as an evil, evildoer, even unto bonds. Yet contrasting his experience with uh, the characteristics of the word of God, Paul's instructing us that he may have been bound and locked up, but you can't lock up or bind the scriptures. They go, they run, they take off. They run very swiftly into this world. And so it's... Um, uh, found uh, in this world, in our sayings, in our literature, in our conversation. And so it is that you can find the Bible even inscribed on buildings, like the UN building, which quotes from Isaiah chapter 2 and verse number 4. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That's great truth and a great verse. The only problem is that the UN and the people that uh, are trying to cleave to that uh, verse, they missed the first part of the verse and the three verses that led up to it. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 2, uh, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. This will come to pass in the last days that the mountain 
of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. Many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. This is the time of the millennial reign of Christ after his second advent, when the Lord comes and sets up his kingdom on this earth. And in that context, it says in verse number four, and he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. <clears throat> nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That's where the quotation comes from. It's not going to be happening <clears throat> from this world bringing in peace by itself. It won't happen until the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, comes back and uh, sets up his kingdom on this earth. Then nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Then, as the old song says, I ain't going to study war no more <laughs> down by the riverside. And then I'll give you one more here. There's a quote on the building of the University of Texas at Austin at the south entrance. You can find pictures of these things uh, if you, if you want to look them up and you know, Google them and look at the images. You can find a picture where it'll say right there. looks very nice. <clears throat> you shall know the truth, <clears throat> and the truth shall make you free. That's a great thing to have inscribed on the building. Uh, quotation from the Lord Jesus Christ. But again, it helps more to know the context. And the sentence that um, is quoted there had actually begun in the previous verse. And so uh, as I close, I want to give you those two verses together. And together those two verses read this, John 8, 31 and 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's not just a college education by any means that's going to cause you to know the truth. Matter of fact, some people, uh, when they get a college education, get further from knowing the truth. The truth is undone by a lot of uh, education you get in the average college. But the, the, the premise was, if you continue in the word of God, Jesus Christ's word, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you want to know the truth and you want the truth to make you free, then you've got to get in the truth, which is the word of God. John 17, verse 17, Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That's how you're going to know the truth. And the truth's going to make you free by getting in it and staying in it, by continuing in his word. And that's what uh, I exhort you to do. And we uh, always do on the, That's in the Bible. We exhort you to continue in the word of God. And the more you know about the Bible, and the more you know about what's in the Bible, the more you can find natural openings to talk with people about spiritual things and uh, try to lead them to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, that's in the Bible. Really, that's just some of the things that are in the Bible. There's a whole lot more. Uh, go and find out what's in there by reading it and studying it on your own. All right. Thank you, Pastor Strobel. Amen. That's good stuff. And <clears throat> I know that um, shortly after I got saved, and I can't remember if it was Pastor Steve or it was you, Pastor Strobel, that, that brought a lesson on this and pointed it out. And, and from then, I started making a list in the back of my Bible. And, and it's, <clears throat> it's amazing how much Scripture, how much Bible is in the world. <laughs> and people are, people are speaking 
the world. And uh, I remember, um, was it the 80s, 90s? I can't remember when now, uh, that uh, there was a big song out called We Are the World. Mm-hmm. And uh, all I could think is, yeah, you are. You are the world. And, and you know, the Bible talks about uh, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But yet here are all these people complaining, proclaiming we are the world. And all I could think is, yeah, yeah, that, that is pretty much the world right there. You know, all those rock stars or whoever they were, Michael Jackson, those other people got together and sang that. And every time I would hear it, that's all I could think about is, yep, that's the world. <clears throat> the other thing that I remember is um, there's a magazine called Esquire. It's a pretty popular magazine. It, uh, I think it has to do with men's fashion and, and technology and other things. But the byline for that magazine that is on the front of that magazine is every man at his best. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> I'm like, that's, that sounds very familiar to me. And sure enough, I remember reading it. It's in, it's in Psalm 39 chapter, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 39, verse five, where the Bible says, behold, thou hast made my days as an hand breath and my age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Yeah, and boy, isn't that the truth? You know, Amen. so I'm like, how, how can we be proclaiming that you're vain? Every man at, man at his best. It's altogether vanity. So anyway, I, I, I think as you become more aware of those things and you think about those things and you start to see those things, you know, you, 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 it, it makes you chuckle sometimes and other times it just makes you shake your head. But <laughs> I, I appreciate you bringing, bringing that study. That's good stuff. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I, I appreciate it as well. I, you know, as you were going through that and, and some of the introductory remarks, remarks that you made, I, the thought came to my mind that, that this is basically God's practical joke on, on, uh, on mankind and, and the world that as much as they try to divorce themselves from him or to change what he really is in the scriptures by making gods of their own mind, uh, you know, to to justify their own actions and so forth, that that he's just infected them with with all the these little sayings that you brought up and many more, uh, just to show them that they can't get away from him and they can't get away from God uh, from the Word of God. And uh, I, you know, I have this this thought, and and, and maybe it's not so. I mean, we all know that there's going to be a judgment. And uh, uh, I, I fancy that, that the Lord's going to bring uh, uh, right up there on uh, 3D, you know, and the video and, and, and showing these people quoting scriptures when they profess to deny it. And uh, God's just going to laugh. I mean, you know, if you, you know, when uh, uh, was it uh, Proverbs chapter one where, where God says he's going to laugh at their derision and so forth and so on. And uh, they had in their mouth, the very words that could have delivered them, and uh, they didn't even know it. And uh, so I think it's God's practical joke on, on this world for quoting a scripture, even though they, they, uh, they don't want to. So and then that reminds me of uh, what you just said, reminds me of Matthew twelve thirty seven, which says, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, yes. and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Yeah, amen. Amen, amen. So true. All right. Well, guys, thanks again. Thanks for joining us. And uh, all right, is Nick still there? Yes, I am. All right, very good. It was nice uh, sitting in. 
We're glad, glad to, have to have you. you. Thanks. <laughs> it's still echoing. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's in the Bible? We had that's in the Bible today. There we go. <laughs> A lot of good stuff in that Bible, isn't there? Yeah. yeah amen. Amen. I, I hope that folks that listen to this, uh, they'll maybe take a little bit, some of that, and, and start to notice things around them. Hmm. You ever notice all this stuff, Nick? I do notice stuff like that from time to time. And I remember one uh, that I don't think was mentioned. It's kind of obscure. There was an old Sherlock Holmes movie that was called uh, Terror by Night came out during the 40s, and I think that's a phrase somewhere in Psalms. I can't remember which one, but... Well, we'll, we'll look it up. We'll find it. Steve's going to find it. Uh, Steve will... Psalm, like, Psalm 91, about the terror. Mm. Get it here in a moment. What I think I'm, you're talking about. I've not heard of that Sherlock Holmes title, but I do recognize uh, what you're talking about. I think um, it was Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. That would be a while ago. <laughs> uh, Psalm 91.5 says, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. There it is. Awesome. Is that the, is that the title you said, Terror by Night? Yep, that is the thing I was thinking of. There you go. So it's amazing Good just how, how, much, how much that there is. Yeah, nice pickup. Steve had it too, but he didn't, wasn't uh, quick enough. I was slow. I was slow. <laughs> Chalk up another one for quick verse. <laughs> uh, I was trying to use my brain, but it, it uh, it's not as good as quick verse. Not as, fast. not as quick. Uh. All right, guys. Well, thanks again. And uh, tune in next time when we have uh, Matt bring his special. And I know yes. that a lot of you folks are, are waiting for that. And I'm going to have to talk to him again about it. He's, he's on the spot now. He's going to have to do it. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time, Lord Will. All right, amen. This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 718584. 1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.